0: bald men on campus with jay billis lafonso ellis and seth greenberg
1: welcome to bald men on campus i am seth greenberg joined by jay billis and lafonso ellis and guys like last night madison square garden champions classic man it was good to be back in an arena man it was good to feel the excitement and the energy of college basketball uh, obviously we missed one part of the energy and excitement of college basketball. And that's coach Vital. and our thoughts and prayers go out to him as he's in this battle against uh, cancer, but uh, just overall, what's your guys first take on just last night, big picture.
2: Felt normal again to have fans in the stands and it was packed and uh, loud. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine there were a few beers imbibed and a, Couple of libations in the crowd, but uh, you know Are celebrities you all over yourself? the place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen was there. Daniel Jones. I mean, there was a there was a big crowd of celebs, uh, but it was really fun, and you you know you could feel the energy that had been missing uh, in big game environments in, in the last uh, last year or so, and it was just uh, you know you're grateful and and excited to have it back.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jay. I, I had this strong sense of just gratitude sitting there, especially as I watched all the kids uh, come out and warming up, and just knowing what they had been through with COVID protocol last year, and you know, getting swabbed up their nose three days a week, etc. There was almost like a, almost like a freedom that was going on in the place there, along with the electricity that was going throughout Madison Square Garden. So, I mean. You made a great point. A lot of stars there and uh, and, and, and former players represent each school, which is really cool. And so uh, R.J. Barrett was there from Duke. They had him on the big screen. He's showing his ring and all the Duke camera cases go nuts in the place. And so it was really good to be back, especially in the Mecca of basketball, which is Madison Square Garden. I had a blast.
1: And they signed for the Champions Classic for three more years, which is so. This will continue these, you know, four-story programs. Even though if you talk to Tom Izzo, he'd say we're not a blue blood, but they are a blue blood. He just <laughs> well, that's kind of his cause, and every coach has to have a cause. Mm-hmm. So we get to the games, and and the games to me were interesting because no Jalen Wilson for Kansas. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Michigan State trying to find a point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that. I thought the the intensity of the game was really good. Uh, Michigan State, once again, having issues taking care of the basketball. Uh, A.J. Hoggard actually did a nice job of attacking and getting downhill. I'm not sure he made plays for other people. I just thought that Remy Martin, the second half, tell me if if you guys agree with me, it seemed like he kind of found his his. Role his identity of how he fits. Like he picked the spots, went to be aggressive. He picked the spots, went to get everyone involved. And Oshai Abadji was, was was phenomenal. I thought it was Michigan State's inability to to guard the ball, and I thought that Kansas just getting in a really good flow where they can move the defense side to side and then attack was was a huge difference. Uh, what do you guys think?
2: Kansas played the way I expected. Uh, I expected Kansas to play well even without Jalen Wilson. I did not expect Michigan State to play like that, frankly. Uh, they threw the ball all over the place, and it's exactly what we talked about uh, last mm-hmm. week or the week before. Mm-hmm. Uh, turnovers, ha- like, just like rebounding is in their DNA, uh, and, and it, it's embedded in the program, um, I, I'm starting to think that turnovers are embedded in. We've been talking about this for years now. Yes. This has been a years-upon-years years discussion, mm-hmm. and, and I was shocked um they didn't just turn the ball over they turned it over gave up layup after layup and w- when when i knew they were going to lose there was a timeout ochai Abaji is in the corner and you're going anytime he's in the corner you gotta look lob. and they gave up a lob dunk come and michigan state comes down to the other end and throw you know they try to run a little set where they get the ball to the middle of the court and then they're going to run little you know little pin downs or back picks whatever the set was and they threw the ball away. Ochai shot. took it away and got a, got a dunk. So he had two dunks in a row and and that was after a timeout. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: And I, I, w- I was shocked uh, I, I can't remember whether it's 15, 16 turnovers that Michigan State had, but they were you know they were minus seven in turnovers, something like that. but it was the kind of turnovers and the fact that that can yeah, they couldn't guard the runouts. Kansas had so mm-hmm. many runouts and you're just yes. not gonna. You're not going to mm-hmm. win that way. And uh, so I was really surprised. And and honestly, I mean, I haven't talked to Izzo about this, but I mean, I, I'm starting to think, I mean, if I were part of that program, I'd say, Hey, let's get a rack of balls. And every time we turn the ball over, we take a ball away. And if, if, if all the balls are gone, uh, we run and that's it. And, you know, you either value the ball, or you don't. And, and this is becoming a, a, a bigger problem. Maybe I'm overstating it. You guys tell me, but but I did not expect that, and it really – because they're better now. Like, Michigan State is a top-15 team, and mm-hmm. they didn't play like it, and it really surprised me.
1: I, yeah. I, I think we're overstating a little bit because, like, three years ago, they were in the Final Four. So it was bad, but they were in the Final Four.
2: I'm not uh, – I mean, look, they, I'm not saying they're not good. I mean, nobody's yeah. been a bigger cheerleader of that program than me. Right. But but, but we cannot deny that turno- – they have been fighting for oh,
0: a place. long
2: time. And that, that's <laughs> that was my point a week or two weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I, I said the exact same thing. And now, now, you know, I mean, I've got even further evidence to back it up. I mean, I had years of evidence before and and I just I don't know what it is. It's confounding. And maybe it's because, you know, my my expectations are, are so high watching them mm-hmm. play that I'm like, I'm like, come on, I, I, I can't believe this is happening. But it happened over and over and over again. And and, you know, you take that stuff away and and arguably they, they're right there to win.
0: Yes, yes. And Jay, I would add that, uh, you know, two weeks ago when we were talking about the Big 10 again, and specifically Michigan State, I made the point about Gabe Brown. I thought he was really passive on the offensive end last night. When they run that screen away action and he comes off that curl to the elbow, he's six seven with a high release point. I thought he and Joey Hauser were reluctant to take that shot, and they decided to put it on the floor, and when they put it on the floor, there were extra hands in the area. I think they could be more efficient by going ahead and being confident to take that shot. I've said for Michigan State to be the team that I think they can be, and I agree with you, Jay. I think they're Top, I think they're top 15 caliber in terms of their talent, but in order for them to get there, those two guys have have to play better. And I felt that Gabe Brown, uh, he's got to be around 15 points and six to seven rebounds tonight. And I know that sounds like a lot, but for a guy like him who shot over 40 percent from the three point line, that's two threes, that's two layups in transition, an offensive rebound, put back, and get to the foul line three times. Last night he had 10 points and uh, two rebounds in uh, 30 minutes, and I just don't think that's going to be enough. From Michigan State to achieve their goals, but I thought Julius Marble was fantastic, and I thought they missed him several times in transition where he would seal right in the middle of the floor. And um, I'm not sure what the guards were looking at, but they were looking opposite side. And when you're big is sealed and and you can see his numbers and you can't see the guy behind him, that ball's got to go in there, and he's either going to get fouled or score or both.
1: Yeah, look, I agree with all those things. Both you said. Uh... I think, yeah, the turnovers are are, are something that he does address each and every day, and he's actually done what, Jay, you were talking about. There's a couple things. Number one, I thought Max Christie is going to be a really good player. He had some good looks that just did not go down, but I like his pace. I like how he plays off the ball. I like his ability to find a spot and elevate. Uh, He had good looks that he didn't make that I think he normally makes. I was as concerned with with them guarding the basketball and not keeping it in front mm-hmm. as I was the turnovers, like, like their inability to keep the ball in front, whether it was Harris or whether it was Remy Martin. And, and, you know, we're talking about Michigan state, but I, you know, and I think you started it, Jay, you've got to give the props to, to Kansas. Cause yes. I, I think Bill self offensively, uh, you know, it, it used to be all the high, low stuff and, Ah, uh, they still run a little bit of that and throw it to the corner the backboard, and and David does this job of, of sealing and pushing the guy up the lane. But they they do as good a job of moving you side to side than getting to that dribble handoff to that quick ball screen, middle ball screen, and roll with four out. They were just turning the corner. I mean, they were getting by their man, and uh, I you know like in you know listening to what Tom said after the game, like they did some things that were a positive, but. I think Kansas mm-hmm. is really good. Kansas preseason number one for a reason, with or without Jalen Wilson. Uh, Bill's stuff offensively is really good. Their spacing mm-hmm. is, is terrific. Their pace in which they do yeah. what they do. Their roles are defined. Whether it's Christian Brown, who who just does exactly what he does well. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're a very good passing team. Uh, I think Kansas is really good. I think Michigan State will be good and you know they're playing two guys at the point right now that they got to figure out which one's going to put their arms around. it. I thought Walker was so indecisive just the whole game. Right. Know, he got swallowed up by the Kansas defense rather than keep his dribble alive, back dribble, get the thing reversed, or pull up and hit a spot and 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 make a shot. But I thought he you know he was not assertive enough and his decision making was poor and it'll get better i mean this is a new yes. level for him he's on a new team and a different system he's coach being coached probably differently uh, look i mean this is a starting point for all these teams uh, <laughs> yes. I, I, you know kansas is far well ahead so duke kentucky off the top of your head first thoughts
0: the athleticism was you know, Seth. You and I were sitting next to each other last night, and you could feel me elbowing you in the ribs. Just going, so the athleticism was just crazy. I mean, seeing dudes play above the rim on so many different plays uh, last night, I, 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 I just couldn't get over the size, the speed, the quickness, and the bounce off the floor between those two teams last night. I was, uh,
2: you know, I wasn't shocked by it because I'd seen it, but Duke's the real deal. That's why, you know, when we were doing that, you know, Get Up and KJM and all those different shows on, uh, on Tuesday, you know, we were going, look, they're underrated. Like, whoever put them at 12, they're not 12. Like, they're way better than that. They can win the whole thing. And, you know, they were up 15 when all the cramping started. And so different guys are going out, Wendell Moore and... Uh, Paulo Banquero goes out and they were out for, you know, significant periods uh, and Kentucky was able to, to cut the lead a little bit, but, you know, and Duke didn't shoot the ball well. I mean, they were one for what 13 from three. Yeah. And heck, when I saw him practice the other day, they made everything. It looked like Pleasantville. Um, <laughs> so they didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Like I think Kentucky's going to be very good, yeah. but they're not as good as Duke and, uh, and, you know, Duke's got a higher ceiling. They're better now. That doesn't mean they'll be better later. Who knows uh, if, if they don't keep getting better and Kentucky gets significantly better. But uh, but I, I I thought we saw the two better teams win in uh, in Kansas and Duke.
1: Trevor Kales is Derrick Henry playing basketball. I mean, he is as physical. I, right. He's almost like to me an old school Duke guard or an old school guard. He's so physically strong offensively. Like he plays physical offensively. He plays physical defensively. He can get straight line drives and just put you on his hip. I thought he he saw plays def- uh, offensively. I thought he thought he did a great job on Ty Ty Washington. I mean Ty Ty could not create any kind of separation or space. Right. Uh, he beautiful stroke. I thought he mm-hmm. was terrific. Obviously uh, Paulo Bacerra was. You can see all the toys that he has in his toy box. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> you know mid post step out shot. Even though mm-hmm. he shoot make a three, his release is really nice. Uh, and 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 the thing that impressed me is he never chased anything. I mean, he he was really patient when they doubled him. He made the right play. And I thought Wendell Moore is going to be one of the most improved players in the country. I thought Wendell Moore was really, really good. I mean, mm-hmm. really good. And they've got depth. I mean, let's not underestimate like the impact of Theo John and just another mm-hmm. big body who can, you know, who can wear you down and rebound and who's physical. So I, I think Duke was what I thought they were going to be. And I, I think Kentucky is going to be good. I think uh severe really, I think that he was terrific in the first half. I thought Duke stayed home on the shooters and kind of made him score over the length and the size in the second half. And I thought that he tried to do too much. Yeah. Uh, the ball got stuck in his hands uh, too much uh, where he yeah, he wasn't thinking hockey assists. Or you know, we mm-hmm. when we saw the shoot around, they were gonna. Oh, they would penetrate and one pass, making one more, and then driving it again. They never created any of that uh, in the second half. So, but I do think that Oscar Sheehy is like Pac Man because he goes after every stinking rebound.
0: <laughs> yeah, Deuce McBride was sitting. His former teammate was sitting in front of us last night. And he turns around, looks over his shoulder, and he said, "That guy gets." Everything, Seth Jay, that kid had 12 offensive rebounds. I mean, that's absolutely insane, and, and he and he did it against Mark Williams, who's 6'11", 7 feet tall and long. Paolo uh, Banquero, six ten. I agree with you, Seth. I was pretty, I was pretty impressed with his ability to be able to rebound on both ends of the floor, but particularly on the offensive end. And to your point about Severe Wheeler, Seth, I thought he lost confidence uh, to a degree in, in Tai Ty, Ty Washington last night, especially in the second half. And that's where he's going to have to get better with his decision making, figuring out how can he get Tai Tai Washington an easy opportunity that Tai Tai can see it go through the net and gain some confidence because of course he was only 3 or 14 from the floor last night and Tai Tai Washington is a much better ball player than 3 or 14.
2: Well, they'll be able to get some better shots against some of the other teams they play, but Duke was out in passing lanes. They pressured the ball extraordinarily well. Uh, Wheeler is so quick and fast, but if he gets by you, he still has to finish something at the basket. And and Duke made him do that over and over again and, and make him take tough twos instead of, and they stayed with three-point shooters. Yeah. Uh, and Kentucky shot un, well under 40% for the game. And if it weren't for Shibway getting, you know, a hundred offensive rebounds, that thing would have been ugly. I mean, it would have been ugly. They couldn't get to the free throw line. Uh, Duke outshot them by almost 20 from the foul line, something like that, maybe 17. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, I thought the game uh, was actually the score was closer than the game felt. Like there was never a time during the game that I thought Kentucky was going to win. And usually you get the feeling that, okay, they can win this. And uh, in the second half, you never got the feeling they were going to win, e- even when they had cut it to six with, uh, you know, toward the end of the game. It's just a two possession game. But you didn't think you didn't think they'd be able to score uh, in order to in order to do it, that Duke would have to kick it away. And uh, even with all the cramping and all that stuff, I just I, I just thought Duke showed much better. And, and they look to me like they've got the higher ceiling. I mean, Kentucky's going to be good. They're going to mm-hmm. be very good. Uh, and same thing with Michigan state, they're going to be very good just because they lost these games. Doesn't mean they're closed yes. out and doing well the rest of the season. I get that, Agree. but, but they got, you know, let's say this, uh, Michigan state and Kentucky have a heck of a lot more to work on. I would say when they go to practice.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, uh, Fonz on, on the tie tie, I think tie tie, the game was still fairly close and I thought he came out and when, when Trevor Keels got it going, and scored those back to back baskets. I almost thought, and Jay, you know, you were calling the game, and I you know, we didn't have our headsets on then, but I thought the tie tie tried to make that all right, I'm gonna go get mine now too. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, he took me, he he got in the lane, he drove me to the rim, he he, he, he had a to pull up, kills had a pull up. Instead of just letting it happen. Mm-hmm. I do think that 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 Sevier got ball dominant, and I think Duke's defense of staying home was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Duke's depth is good. They, I, you know, they'll get better. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: I uh, well, just one, one note. Guys, we talk about Duke's depth. Remember, AJ, A.J. Griffin had been injured, and he's working his way back into shape and all of that. And he's yet another piece. He only played 10 minutes last night. But That's how good are they going to be when he's playing 20, 25 minutes a night?
1: How big and physically? I mean, he's, he's huge. a specimen.
0: Yes, that kid eats Twix bars, I'm telling
1: you. Uh, but hopefully he just puts it in his mouth <laughs> and actually eats it. <laughs> what game last night, like, uh, you know, just real quickly, obviously Gonzaga had a runaway, UCLA had a runaway, uh, really good balance with Jules Bernard having a, a nice game, but Jose and, and Jaime Haquez. Uh, Villanova, 50% of their shots from the three. They shot over mm-hmm. 50% from the three. Had some pretty good input from their frontcourt guys. Texas, thought Marcus Carr, just looking at his stat line, terrific. Mm-hmm. You know, Will Richardson, Oregon had a great night. What was the game like? Is there, is there any of those games like that jumped out at you, said like maybe, maybe we learned something?
0: It was Ohio State. I don't know if we learned anything about it, but I, I think it's been consistent with what you, Jay, and I have said about the Ohio State. We, with Dwayne Washington going on to the pros, we were concerned about guard play for them. And sure enough, well, Michi I'm, I'm Johnson, I think, was 0 for 3 uh, last night. Jamari Wheeler, I think, was over 3 combined. They were 0 for 6 from the field. And E.J. Liddell was brilliant, as he always is. I think he had 25 points in last night's game. Uh, Zed Key, 15, I believe, 14, or so. He's 14. in double figures. Yeah, so the the front line performed the way that we thought that they would. But the backcourt, in order for this team to truly be a top 15 team, get to the NCAA tournament, get to the second weekend, they've got to get better guard play.
2: Yeah, for me, and and Akron's a good team. You know, John Gross, who used to be an assistant uh, at Ohio State to Thad Mata, is the coach of the Zips, and they're good. K.J. Walton's a good player, transferred in from Ball State, and he had a good game against uh, Ohio State. Uh, the game that stood out to me, uh, Seth and Fonz, was uh, was Virginia losing to Navy, hmm. and uh, and that's just something at John Paul Jones Arena you didn't see coming, yeah. and and it's the first win over a ranked team that Navy has had since David Robinson scored hundred thousand yeah. points on Syracuse in the NCAA tournament, yeah. uh, back in in 1986, and you know for for Virginia to give up. 11 threes. If I remember right, Navy shot like 11 of 21 from three.
1: 21.
2: Yeah, you don't see that. And uh, so that that was, you know, sort of the ACC, uh, you know, having Virginia lose at home, uh, you know, Pittsburgh lost, Georgia Tech lost. Uh, It was certainly not a good night of non-conference games against, you know, what what people would normally consider an easy part of of your non-conference schedule to lose those games is concerning, but it was a little bit concerning for Virginia and they got to go on the road next week. They go to Houston, uh, to play uh, Kelvin Sampson's team. And, and that's certainly not going to be, that's, it's not going to be any easier than, uh, than the Navy game. They're going to have to play a lot better to, uh, to have a chance in that one.
1: And Houston barely got by Hofstra. I mean, had to make a big time three in the corner. And then, you know, the game went overtime. Marcus Sassa had the big game with 25 and, uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I'm way off. Tony Bennett is 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 brilliant to say to say the least. But I look at their roster, and if you're relying on Kiehl Clark to be one of your two or three best best players, you not know, not not a facilitator, not an on ball defender, you know, you have you know you have a backcourt that you know I, I went and looked at this thing. They you know Virginia loses to Navy. Navy is 11 for 21 from the three point line. And the guards of Durham, Beekman, and Clark were three for 15 from the three. I mean, mm-hmm. that's going to have to get better for Virginia to – because, I mean, they're going to have to win with their guard play, and and, and that's just not good enough. Uh, it, the team that's interesting to me and, – and, Jay, you and I have talked about this. We always talk about Rick Barnes and, well, you know, I don't know about offensively. You know, they don't play fast enough. I mean, you look at Tennessee, they were 17 for 40 from the three-point line. They shot (laughs) 43 points, they were 40 of their 77 shots were from the three-point line. And we talked about this. Kennedy Chandler and Justin Powell, you know, Powell, the transfer from Auburn and, and Kennedy Chandler. I mean, Chandler goes 24 assists, four for four from the three. You know, Powell goes three for five from the three point line. This might be in terms of they're older they, you know, Victor Bailey can make shots, uh, you know, Santiago Viscovi can make plays and, and the game's easier. Cause you got a dominant, you know, what I call ball guard that has a feel a really good feel for how to play. Uh, they've got legitimate depth, but Rick Barnes shooting 40 threes. I almost, I'm embarrassed saying it because I can't, I mean, it's like a phenomenon to me, uh-huh. but I mean, like, what do you guys, I mean, like, I think Tennessee has a chance, uh, you know, they've got some young front court players and, and, uh, I think the backcourt's got great depth and, and, and Kennedy Chandler is a guy that just, you know, I, 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 my new phrase, you'll get tired of it. He's a bucket creator and a bucket getter. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good combination.
2: I'm, I'm a little surprised by, yeah, I'm a little surprised by the number of <laughs> threes, but it was Tennessee Martin. It wasn't like, hey, yeah. you know, they did that against Auburn or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, that does surprise me. But I, I want to be able to dig in and see him. I didn't see the Tennessee Martin game, so it's hard to tell what kind of game it was looking at a box score. Uh, but, you know, when you watch, you know, it's kind of like watching Villanova. That that, uh, you know, Villanova, over half their shots are threes seemingly every time they every time they play. But you never go. It's too many. You you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not maybe years ago when the if you go back into the 90s or something, you know, you had this almost like this governor in your mind saying, well, wait a minute. You know, you live by I've always hated this. You live by the three, you die by the three. Uh, like that doesn't make any sense to me. Either make them or you don't. It's like saying, Well, you live by the you live by the interior touch or die by the interior touch. You know, it doesn't it doesn't make any on sense. on who to
1: me. gets the interior touch.
2: That's the thing. You, you make the damn shot or you don't. You know, it, it, it's, it's, if you take good threes, they're high they're 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 good shots mm-hmm. to take. And mm-hmm. one of the things that that maybe we don't talk about enough with three-point shots is good threes. You're more likely to be able to rebound those uh, with long rebounds and uh, and you know it, it's actually you know th- that's where the game has gone, and the smarter coaches have gone there with it. Uh, so i you know i'm I'm glad to hear that you know Rick Barnes is shooting a few more. I don't know if forty the are right. I don't know what the right number is. is it forty in a game when they shot took seventy seven shots. i don't I don't know, but if they make them at that rate, keep shooting them man. If they go in, keep shooting yeah.
0: Well, he said coming into the season that he was going to shoot more threes. And, of course, knowing Rick Barnes, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but when you hear about them uh, shooting 40 of them, I mean, that that's a distinct difference between what they had last year and this year. And obviously, they didn't have the guys to be able to shoot them last year. Their best players were more drivers able to get, get into the lane. But, uh, Seth, you, you, you mentioned it. Uh, Kennedy Chandler, he's a good three point shooter. Uh, Justin Powell can shoot it. And Josiah Jordan James has been working on his three ball and he's shot quite a few of them in the uh, exhibition season as well. So when you got when you have a special guard that way, who can get in the lane and uh, create plays. Now, all of a sudden you suck that defensive defense in. If you got guys that can knock them down to your point, Jay, why not take high quality inside out threes?
1: You know, I'll give you another one. We're going to stay in the state of te- uh, Tennessee. I mean, like Memphis, 59% from the field, 21 assists. Uh, you know, watching just some tape, piddling around. Armani Bates was really good. 21 assists. You know, like you know, the big thing was they've got a lot of dudes, I and mean, they got a lot of guys. Armani Bates is a big point guard. He had, he played. You know, and watch him. He played with really good pace. Knocked down some threes. Uh Jalen Dern was who we thought he was. They brought Landers Nolly off the bench. He ended up with doubles. Uh Quinones was looked like he was solid. But the biggest thing is, you know, shot selection has been an issue. They've always been great defensively. Mm-hmm. But shot selection's been an issue. Turnovers have been an issue the last few years. I mean, they they, they were an NCAA tournament team for sure defensively. Right. Uh but and again, you know, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt in terms of competition. But even against bad teams where, you know, you play against bad teams and guys know they can get theirs, 21 assists, 59% from the field, roles were pretty well defined. Uh, I think no matter who you're playing against, that was all those indicators to me for Memphis were really, really positive.
2: Mm -hmm. they're, they're super talented. They're, they're super talented, Mm -hmm. but, but the issue for all these teams and we're talking about their offense is the ball moving. And I think you mentioned earlier with regard to Kansas, like the ball goes, they move the defense before they attack it. So the ball moves from side to side, uh, you know, and, and David McCormack will, will, you know, walk his guy up the lane, get an angle and all of a sudden they got an easy post touch instead of just throwing it into the post on the first side, stuff like that. You know, so for Memphis or Tennessee or Duke or Kentucky or whatever, uh, all these teams like Kentucky, I, I think, you know, I haven't watched the tape yet. I'll go back and watch the tape, but that ball did not move. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're good enough to make a move, but you know, you got to give Duke's defense a lot of credit there, mm-hmm. but for Memphis with all the talent that they have, if the ball moves and the players move, every player is going to have opportunities to, to score. And, and the ball will find the right player if it moves. Uh, and, and, it, and to me, it's not a question of, well, do they run a lot of ball screens and all that stuff? You run as many ball screens as you want. As long as you move the defense first before that action, you, you're going to get a lot of really good things. And, and, uh, and I think Memphis is going to, if they continue to do that, they're going to be a great, they have a chance to be a great team.
0: So if you and Jay have both, have, have both uh, coached, and when you when you have teams that play fast, they can have a higher level of turnovers. So we talked about Michigan State, who likes to get out and play fast; they turn over at a high rate. Uh, Memphis last year and the year before, of course, they like to play fast and they turn it over. To in your minds, what, what's an acceptable level of turnovers or acceptable number of turnovers for a team that plays at the pace that those two teams play? Is Seventeen too many. Yes. Well, yeah, it's way too many. Yes, it's way too
1: many. I mean, like, I don't care how you feel like here's the deal is like it's the type of turnovers you're making like Michigan State's turnovers. I thought yesterday were not. I mean, they were just bad decisions. Agree. You know, know, picking up your dribble in a bad spot and not using a back dribble, uh, you know, a couple of risk reward passes, uh, you know. Look, bad shots and turnovers kill your defense. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just plain and simple. Your defense mm-hmm. transition's connected to those two things. If you turn it over and you take bad shots, you know, your defensive transition, you're gonna get your ass kicked. Going down the other end, all of a sudden now you're scrambling, you're getting back, you're flattened out, the ball comes back out, it gets reversed, everyone's closing out all over the floor, and you're yeah. absolutely screwed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean like you know, you know, to me, you've got to put a premium and it, you know, you know, everyone does, but uh you know, to me, if 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 you're over 13 mm-hmm. percent, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, like when guys are 13 percent, 15, yeah, yeah, 15, high 15s is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care how. Here's the thing is you've played fast. Well, if you decide to play fast. And you know what? You got you got to practice fast. And then Mm -hmm. you've got to make good decisions. You know, like I worry a little bit. Like uh, Duke, uh, not Duke, Kentucky yesterday. They were committed to advance passing the ball up the floor in league play. People are going to start running with those wings. Then you got to, you know, set some quick drags or step ups or or whatever you need to do to, you know, to exploit that because that advanced pass won't be up to, you know, to create an advantage. Uh, It's like I thought. I thought Kentucky first half. I actually thought they had good ball movement and they had dribble penetration and they had. They got the ball up the floor, and they got some open looks. Uh, Kellen Grady got a couple open looks off penetrations and extra pass. I just thought the ball got stuck. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I thought it was – guy. and I, I think it's more guys, you know, they were frustrated and they wanted to make a play and they, you know, wanted to get the team back in the game. And and that happened. So, UCLA plays Villanova uh, this weekend. Jay, you're on the, on the call. What are you looking for in that game? I mean, I know you haven't started – the, the breakdown we just got back today, but like are there are a couple things you're looking for in that game.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to look at the the size uh, difference that that I, I think that Villanova, even though they're not tall, uh, they're they're physical and strong and, and thick. They're men. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Moore as a different player. I think he's I think he's going to be their best player. Um, And then for UCLA, I I think they've got the the best personnel in the country. You know, Cody Riley got hurt against Cal State Bakersfield. They were worried it was his left knee. He only played four minutes. I I, I think he only scored two points. Uh, But, you know, so they they were worried, could it be an ACL? I don't know what it is. I haven't heard yet what the final result is, but it it certainly didn't sound good, especially after they lost Mac Etienne to a, a knee injury already. Uh, they lost McClendon to a knee injury in the preseason. Um, so, you know, losing, if they, if Cody Riley's not available, uh, that certainly hurts UCLA, but they got Miles Johnson to be able to put in. UCLA is bigger, and I think they're deeper, uh, and they'll be playing at home. And they were Final Four team last year. Uh, I think Villanova's got a few more question marks, but I tend to, I tend to trust that program with the way they uh, they bring up players and the way uh, with their leadership and Colin Gillespie is back and Jermaine Samuels is back and Brandon Slater's improved Uh, and they got a couple of good freshmen that I expect are going to play. So I think it's going to be a fight, which I'm I'm really looking forward to. And I, and I think it's going to be Villanova's pace. Um, You know, UCLA plays faster than Villanova. I think they're going to have a hard time playing faster in that one. I think I think Villanova is going to be able to get their pace in the game. And as you guys know, it's a lot easier to slow a game down than it is to speed one up. And I think Villanova is going to be able to get the pace they want.
0: Yeah, a matchup I'm looking forward to seeing in that game is uh, Johnny Juzang, of course, gets all the headlines and he's worthy of it. But I think one of the most underrated players in the country is Jaime Hawkins. He matching up with Jermaine Samuels, two really undersized. Uh, f- they're really threes that play the four spot. I'm really looking forward to those guys kind of linking up and, and interested to see who wins that matchup. Jermaine Samuels, a bit more athletic, a little more explosive off the floor. But Jaime Hackett he, he's got everything. shoot shooting from three mid-range and all of that. So uh, that's an intriguing matchup for me in that game.
1: Hey, look—you got Tiger Campbell and Colin Gillespie, which is is gonna—I mean, Tiger Campbell. So he, he is a really good player. You got obviously Johnny and Justin Moore, Johnny Juzang and and, and Justin Moore, and, and Johnny who shot it pretty well again and had an incredible, incredible NCAA tournament. You got Jaime Acuas—I mean, who's really a very good player. And then, you know, I call it the, him the microwave. I I had him on the team I took to to Italy. Jules Bernard who was just a guy that would chase shots, Mick Cronin has done not a good job with him. He's done a great job with him, getting him to pick his spots to be aggressive. I mean, he's wired to score. He's wired to attack. He can shoot a three. He's got pretty good left. He rebounds the hell out of the ball. Uh, So, I mean, you've got great matchups all over the court. And just reading, and I I haven't watched the tape yet, but just reading and speaking of, of... my former players that, you know, are involved with some grassroots basketball out in Southern California, they rave about Peyton Watson. They rave about him. And then they're not like they just said, Coach, he's like your kind of guy. He plays his ass off. He can defend. He gets to the glass. He's going to attack. He's not going to back down. And I think that goes to what, you know, Jay, you were talking about. I mean, look, I mean, Cody Riley is a winning player because he knows exactly who he is. Miles Johnson can come in. I'm not sure he can finish as well, but he's going to give him that same defensive front. But when you have two dudes like that, that's really good. So you're going to need another front court guy to step up with the injuries they've had. And, you know, Peyton Watson at six, eight, you know, can give him that on the other end, you know, just again, I didn't watch the game, but Dixon and Brandon Slater were productive. Mm -hmm. They were, they were, they were productive, uh, you know, against the Mount Saint Marys team, It's not very good, but I mean, they were pretty you know, good in relation to Villanova, I should say. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that game is going to be, I think it's going to be fascinating. I think the only bad thing about that game, it's on eleven thirty Eastern time.
2: Yeah, that, also, but, but have people to take a nap. Well, people will stay up because of the contrast in the two coaches. I mean, you've got one coach uh, who, uh, you know, it seems like things it's should like be flipped. pocket. Well, sh- things should be flipped a little bit. <laughs> I mean, Mick Cronin is coaching UCLA in Westwood, uh, right near Beverly Hills. And the sun shines every day. While, while, while I'm out there for the game, it's going to be between 80 and 85 degrees every day. Um, Mick, Mick Cronin looks like his legs haven't seen the sun since 1978. You know, he's pasty white. He's, he, he's got to be slathered with sunscreen just when he opens his refrigerator. For that little light bulb in the refrigerator would give him would give him a sunburn. And then and then, you know, from Philly, you got Jay Wright, uh, who who has a tan in February in, in <laughs> Philly. And uh, and it seems like it seems like uh, there, there's going to be an interesting contrast there. I wonder I wonder if Jay will, will have any beach time or time by the pool
0: while he's out there. And Jay, speaking of contrast, I saw something last night that I think I, I, I'm, I'm confident that that uh, something spectacular is going to happen tomorrow. Seth Greenberg turned down pizza last night at about 11 o'clock. I've wow. never seen him turn down Great food. discipline. I keep wow. on telling
1: you, fellas, the oh, things oh, really? that pounce I have you just do not appreciate.
2: Hey, Fonz, when he turned down pizza, did he accept a double cheeseburger? Chili <laughs> 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 close in his back. Did, I turned
1: moment. it down. I did take a couple of Diet Cokes to go, Ow, but I went. I took the take sign on the pizza.
2: <laughs> I didn't weird. have to turn it down. When the game ended and I went back yeah. in the green room, everybody was gone. Yes. <laughs> I mean, everybody was gone. There wasn't a scrap left. So uh, there, there wasn't anything for me to take.
0: said right, you've been let's a native play. New Yorker. You've been a native New Yorker. Do you fold your pizza to eat it or do you just hold it flat? Or you use utensils? I inhale Ooh. it.
1: You've seen me eat. Huh? I barely you taste it. it. Do you, you fold, fold it? You have you to fold, fold it.
2: it. Yeah, you fold it, and, and utensils. I mean, that's like in Seinfeld when uh, Costanza used a knife and forky to Snickers bar. You don't do that.
1: <laughs> the only person that would that would use a knife and a fork to cut. Yep. Pizza is a guy that would eat a Twix bar one layer at a time.
0: Exactly. <laughs> no, actually, you're wrong on that one, big boy. I had, remember I encouraged you to get the vegetarian last night. I told you it was really good. I folded that bad boy in half, and it was. So that's that's about three bites,
1: then.
2: <laughs> no, he told me.
0: All
1: I right, hey, hey, one thing we didn't talk about Gonzaga. All right, Chet Holmgren, you know, crazy numbers. I mean, you know, it, if you think about it, seven blocks, six assists. 14 points, uh, I think 13 rebounds, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, again, competition, not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what was interesting just watching some of the highlights though is skinny. Is, he's 109, like furious, years, he's 190 pounds. He doesn't get moved out of the way as easily as I would have thought, but I mean, like six assists is, you know, that's, Making plays, seven blocks and six assists. How many guys score fourteen points and get seven blocks and six assists? That's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, it's mostly um, guys that are in high school that do that. But yeah, but Kevin Durant was pretty skinny and couldn't lift a hundred eighty-five pounds off the bench when he left Texas, and he did pretty mm-hmm. well. I, I think Holmberg's going to do fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, I I did find out something though last night. I did not know where Dixie State was, nor did I know the mascot. I know both now. It is Utah. in the state of Utah, and uh, I think it's St. State George, Juco. Utah. And yep. uh, and they are the trailblazers. So Thanks. that's uh, I'll take obscure uh, Division I institutions for 400, Alex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I could have helped you with that because Rasul Salahuddin, who played for me at Long Beach State, it was a junior college. Dave Rose was the head coach at Dixie Junior College. Uh, in St. George, which is, by the way, a great town. Mm. Absolute beautiful. It's about two hours from Vegas, flying to Vegas, right up the road. And uh, they got great facilities. But, uh, you know, they had that. And then you, they're going to play Texas, Gonzaga. And, you know, mm-hmm. Texas had five guys in double figures. Like I said, Marcus yeah. Carr did a nice job distributing the basketball. Courtney Ramey, who really struggled to practice today. I was there kind of figuring out. Kind of his his role uh, mm-hmm. seemed like he did a, a very very nice job uh, along the way and uh, and, they, and they, I mean I don't think Dylan Dessou is going to play in this game either but uh, you know just to get the win now now the, the fireside chat is still alive and well but Beard has a new uh, a new tradition after the games and you got to see it Bill she'll be all of it, he get he lets all the students come onto court. And he takes a picture with every student that's at the game, this, this big like family picture. And he, you know, he, and he's like, right. I mean, he's right in the middle of the thing. He is so Chris beard is as creative and engaged and possessed about every little detail and every little aspect. He understands the marketing side. He understands how to connect with the students. He understands obviously had to put together a team, but that Texas, uh, Gonzaga game, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, cause you're talking about one of the oldest teams in the country with all those transfers. Few, he's got a, a younger team. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a young, he's got a young, know, uh, they're not young, but they're a younger mm-hmm. team in, in relation. Now we're here, Bolton. Uh, I, I, he had, it looked like he had a very high level game to transfer from, uh, from Penn State, it looked like he played at, at a really high level, made some shots, gives their backcourt even more maturity, so he doesn't have to rely on, say, you know, uh, Hunter Silas or, or one of their freshmen. Uh, that that that'll be. That, I think that's going to be an interesting game. You guys have a feel on that game? Yeah, I think my
0: my my concern. I, I, I love this Gonzaga team; they're worthy of their number one ranking. And as you guys know, I've been saying it for the last several weeks. My my concern is when Gonzaga plays against a team like Texas, who uh, is going to disrupt their rhythm uh, offensively uh, can they make enough shots from the perimeter not only last year not only was their movement their flow uh, in transition in half court their movement and Jay you said it, uh, they played a beautiful brand of basketball but they had guys that could stick it and uh, of course it's only one game but they were 6-21 from the three-point line I'm not sure you can beat a Chris Beard tech, whether he was at Texas tech or not at Texas, I'm not sure you can beat his defense without the ability to be able to stretch it from the perimeter. Gonzaga is going to have to shoot the ball better from the three point line to have a chance in that game. I have Texas.
2: Gonzaga. Oh. Gonzaga can be a, a, a top five team all year long and never come close to as good as they were offensively last year. That's how good gotcha. they were last year. They, 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 they got layups after layup after layup. And it was in the half court too. It wasn't just, you know, transition layups. I've never seen a team play like that uh, in college. Uh, it, it, was, it was incredible. The best passing and cutting team I've ever seen uh, on the college level. Uh, but there were, you know, on, on Tuesday night, it wasn't just obviously the Champions Classic and, and Gonzaga and, and, and all that. You know, you mentioned Chris Beard got his first first win at Texas. Tommy Lloyd got his first win at Arizona. Yeah. And Hubert Davis got his first win at North Carolina. Uh, Shaka <laughs> Smart got his first win at, at Marquette. But he's won some, you know, he's won some games before. But for Tommy Lloyd and Hubert Davis, both yes. of them got their first wins ever. Uh, you remember your first win, uh, Seth?
1: Yeah, Chicago State. Good wow. scheduling.
2: <laughs> Where is Chicago State? <laughs> Uh, it's in South Dakota, uh,
1: but you know what you know. And Brady Maddock had had twenty for for Uber yeah. and uh, and Caleb Love had twenty. Caleb if I'm yeah. not mistaken, yeah, twenty two. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they took care of the ball a little bit. And uh, I think Tommy Lloyd. I mean, we haven't got into it much. I think they have a chance to be good. I think Sean mm-hmm. Miller. Two things he left. He left with everything that's going on. And, and you know, Sean doesn't speak to us right now, or speak to me, but he left a good culture of guys that love ball and work on their game. And he left a, a, and he left good players. They've got Mm -hmm. good players there. And Tommy's adding to that group. Uh, And I I think that I think Arizona is going to be along with Oregon, UCLA, and probably maybe USC, Colorado. They're going to be one of those teams. That's going to be an NCAA tournament team. And, you know, and they're going to be a factor, in, in the pack from as long as he's there, I think he and you know obviously Ubert they're, they're going to do great jobs.
2: I agree. The, they'll be they'll be legit and back back where they were. No question. Yeah.
1: Agreed. Anything else, Taylor? Yeah. Well, come on. Now. What are you going to a- eat?
2: What are you going to eat this week that that you shouldn't eat?
1: This week, well, Karen's going to California. Oh uh, tomorrow,
0: no! Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> that's plus five right there, big boy. So <laughs> it, it's 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 me
1: and the Jakester. Oh, no. so well, Jake and I'll go out to dinner one night, sit out uh, outside, maybe a little Maximia. I mean, uh, you know, what 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 will I eat? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, we will have uh, we'll do BurgerFi one day. Sit outside, Jake and I taking the the stars and the frigid weather we will uh we'll not be cooking at home a lot we, we will eat the pizza funds just for like no we'll break down the pizza uh it won't be as healthy as probably if karen was here making some healthy piece of chicken and like you know, grilled <laughs> broccoli or something right uh but i'll be but but yeah I, well, i'm not going to turn the. i will well but i'll but i'll
0: we lost his audio.
2: Pulled it, he pulled his yeah. microphone out. That, that's, a, yeah. that's a win for America. That's a win for us. That's America's <laughs> first win. Before we go, Fonz, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, – I'm doing in and out Burger when I'm out in L.A. There is no nice. question about it. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm I'm making a stop at in and out Burger.
0: Sweet, sweet. I'm having homemade sloppy joes tonight, big boy. Now, now, you
1: you got is, is my microphone back on? on?
2: Sally. Yeah, now it's got a. It's on. It's <laughs> <to go. laughs> it's like the See,
1: I'm Wait, Wait a, a second. second. That nicest nice issue in making the world. We finally got,
3: got to
2: it. You sound like you sound like you're down in the well, uh, down in <laughs> the well, and in, uh, in silence of the lambs. Hey, Taylor, what did we screw up?
3: <laughs> uh, you didn't screw anything yes. up. Uh, I do would like to promote, you know, just trying to take a load off your guys' shoulders. Uh, the Woj pod, Adrian Wojnarowski. he does great interviews on his podcast. He talks the top names in the NBA. Check out the Woj pod wherever you listen to your podcast and also watch NBA today on ESPN, also on the ESPN app. And you can listen to that as a podcast as well. That is on Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific. And Seth wasn't lying about that, uh, his little Italian dinner date that he's going to have by himself. Because a couple weeks ago, probably about a month ago. Now uh, I go to get Carvel ice cream and uh, I pull up and, and there's Seth Greenberg eating by himself, eating some ice cream in his car with his leftover Italian. food. Yeah. Carvel. Who, who doesn't like Carvel? I'm just saying when Karen Greenberg's Alex, Seth Greenberg is, is shuffling around town, eating his meals in his car. And, uh, you know, if I wasn't going out of town, I invite him over for dinner, but, uh, unfortunately uh, that, that won't be the case. So, so good hey, luck Taylor.
2: To you. Taylor, was he, was Seth, when he was in his car eating Carvel, was he eating an entire Fudgy the Whale by himself? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, you know what, Seth? Just your standard, uh, you know, vanilla soft serve, but. <laughs> I don't want to, anyway, if we're out in Vegas, Vegas? Yes. You know, the best
0: What's thing
1: about when we're out right Vegas?
0: What's that? Bill's is going to be out, out there, there, so we're going to be really good on this time. The in and out hey, burger out baby. there, too. You're the best. <laughs> Thanks, J.B. <Jamie. laughs> Great point, son. Great point. <laughs> uh,
1: we're, we're not letting like, like, him get him off, off easy, right? right? We're, we're
0: we're not, not, like no, no boo
2: or someplace or you no. Know. And any place that
1: do with the end of it, we're going to go eat.
2: Emphasis on the No. Ha 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 ha!